Welcome back to another Untitled <laughs> Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes when he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. We got off to a spotty start, Matt. <laughs> oh, today we are, I'm revved up and ready to go, baby. It's Tuesday, it's after a long weekend, I just got some Starbucks, I had a Beyond Meat breakfast sandwich because, you know, in honor of the Dalmatians and 101 Dalmatians, I won't eat any animal product. Not that, oh, I thought you were not saying that Cruella, you were a dog eater. Not that like, Cruella what? eats dogs or anything. That would be no, she horribly, just wears them. horribly dark. Uh, but or wants to wear them. I mean, just even darker. Anyways, uh, Craig Gillespie's Cruella uh, starring Emma Stone, uh, Emma Thompson, Joel Fry, uh, Stingray himself, Paul Walter Hauser, uh, Emily Beecham, uh, Mark Strong, uh, Kirby Howell Baptiste, uh, and more. Uh, uh, it will be released on May 28th, 2021 on Disney Plus Premier Access and in theaters if they are open in your area, which in the United States, in a lot of areas, you know, you guys are getting back to normal. So you'll be able to see this in a theater or you can pay $30 to watch it on Disney Plus or $35 if you're in Canada. Um, uh, score by Nicholas Bertel. Obviously, uh, based on 101 Dalmatians, uh, the classic Disney film. However, this is not a direct, you know, uh, remake like we've gotten with Lion King and and Aladdin and Matt. It's a like reimagining. That. Although it's chic, it's sophisticated. <laughs> it's the London look um, of I love it, Cruella. I love it. Although, like uh, weirdly enough, 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close and and um, uh, Jeff, Daniels. Jeff Daniels was kind of like to me felt like the beginnings of all these Disney live action, like remakes kind of, I know they did probably, did they do anything before that? Well, they did my favorite Martian, which sure, you are yeah. a huge fan <laughs> yeah, of as yeah. well. I know that yeah. with Jeff Daniels as well. Oh, and there Christopher you go. Lloyd. There you go. Um, but I mean, that was based on, you know, the, 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 the series yeah. and not, um, you know, an a, animated a, a, film, a yeah. classic animated film and specifically focused on a character that for all intents and purposes is a, iconic disney villain um and her whole sort of motive is that she wants to skin <laughs> the 101 dalmatians yeah, puppies and make a fur coat out of them um so how do you make that uh so how do you make her the anti-hero yeah, yeah. well you find someone even, even worse. worse yes that's exactly what i turned to nevis and said during it i'm like it's kind of ingenious where you go okay well she's kind of horrible in the in the original movies and but um, there's always someone yeah. else out there that's even worse you you find someone who doesn't want to murder puppies they want to murder humans <laughs> so, yes uh yeah anyways eric take it away what is uh this version of cruella well i mean i think you already kind of summed it up yeah kind of perfectly you're looking at cruella who's played by emma stone here um as an anti-hero and not necessarily the villain and the reason why she's the anti-hero is because she's pitted against uh a designer a fashion designer an icon uh played by uh emma thompson who is even more reviled and vile uh than uh the titular cruella and so this movie takes place in the mid-1970s and you're seeing a cultural shift in terms of you know the music scene becoming more punk sort of oriented there's a lot of covers in this uh soundtrack that's wall-to-wall -wall music i mean if you've seen i tanya uh craig gillespie's uh, film about uh, Tanya uh, Harding it, and basically I mean having Paul uh, Walter Hauser in this as well it, as a reunion uh, cements that but if you saw that movie then you're kind of knowing 
what you're going to get in terms of the aesthetic choices and the Scorsese adjacent mm. style wall that wall is soundtrack. wall to wall soundtrack. <laughs> uh, tons of camera movements, the way that the camera kind of you know goes in and out, the cuts are rapid, uh, the costumes the couture the commercial couture in this uh by jenny beaven who won the oscar for mad max fury road is impeccable yeah. uh it, it goes very much into that sort of punk style of that period in in london is sort of like a new sort of wave or, or, or british invasion of music after the beatles you had you know bands like the rolling stones and the sex pistols and things like that and, and they're and they're present but there's also some interesting twists with the music that we'll talk about and I think part of the dialogue of this movie, um, even going b- before reviewing the film and, and and what was kind of being discussed when the trailer came out is that, okay, this is Disney doing their version yeah. of Joker, yeah, which I think is actually a very fair conversation to have because this movie, I think, is also having that conversation um, and maybe arguing against <laughs> some of what Todd Phillips did with Joker because, one, there is a music cue in this that is from it is yeah i uh from joker but yeah. it's a it's a cover in this it, yes that yeah. can cold smile but yeah. it, this version's a cover but then you also have ike and tina turner turner with two covers with led zeppelin's whole lot of love but also mm. come together yeah. and come together in the lyrics has the word joker <laughs> and i almost feel that this reminded me the way that knives out ryan johnson was sort of sort of reacting to the response of star wars fans and yeah. sort of that backlash with knives out i almost feel craig gillespie is sort of maybe and and the writers of this are sort of looking at joker and sort of saying okay well you know todd don't take yourself too seriously. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of put your foot in your mouth when you talked about sort of bringing this social commentary of how mental health and wellness is betrayed, because, you know, as much as we do like Joker. Yeah. I think, I think it is a two faced thing. Like the character in Cruella is a very two faced kind of thing as well. You know, dual identity is that, you know, it can be a sort of subversive superhero film, but at the same time, it can be also derivative of the works of Scorsese. And I think Cruella is doing the same thing, but it's not necessarily bringing in, you know, this added sort of agenda into into the mix. There's mm-hmm. no angle other than this is more of a popcorn yeah, let's entertainment. let's have a fun time with this rather than yeah. like... Yeah, and let's to... give Emma Stone like a really good showcase kind of role and a great foil against uh emma thompson yeah, the battle and of the emma's is great yeah their stuff together is is fantastic the costumes are great i even the movie doesn't need to be over two hours long yeah but i have to say this about the film it's pacing because of the music because yeah. of sort of the the kinetic energy of the movie it does go by pretty quickly there's some predictable stuff in terms of plot and sort of a, a ridiculous nature of it all yeah, but yeah, yeah. again you have to look at this this doesn't take place in the real world and neither did joker but i feel joker was trying to ground it a little bit more joker was trying in to reality have it, uh, in both ways real, yeah it was and i i'm totally with you i i mean i had a a good time with this i i do think i probably slightly disagree with you on the length um being almost two hours and 20 minutes long i did start to feel that 
um, near the end of the movie. Um, but I agree with you that it's paced really well. It's really fun. Um, the elaborate costuming um, and just the, you know, the chemistry between both Emmas, I think, is is fantastic. And it's much better than you would expect from, you know, a Disney villain origin kind of movie. And I, I think I like Gillespie a lot. And I think I have some similar issues to um, the issues I had in Itania. The wall to wall music um, didn't incredibly bother me, but at, at times it I. I don't usually like it in movies because like I think Nicholas Bertel's score is great when it's used um, uh, and the music is great. And, and a lot of the music fits the scenes really well and adds a, a great and energy the period to it and the well, period. Right? Yeah. It adds this energy and kind of lands for the period. And, and when you're missing that in certain movies, like we talk about in, you know, another Disney flick, like in Captain Marvel, like there's some nineties music there, but it doesn't necessarily bring out the nineties that much where I really felt like the time period in this movie. And I, I, I like most of the music. I added the soundtrack um, and went through it and there's some great tracks on there, but like when, you score the movie almost with wall to wall music. It just, it's not as bad as something like suicide squad, but it is a similar, I had a similar problem in I Tanya where it was just, to me, it becomes distracting where you're always like thinking about, Oh, this song that the person's using, or there's dialogue uh, being said in a scene, but then there's lyrics in the background. And it's just, to me, it throws me off. You're being bombarded. Like, yeah. And it just feels like when it's like one song ends and it leads right into another song. I'm like, I just, I like, and I know Scorsese and he's a master at it. And and we talked about off air, Eric, when we were talking yesterday, David O. Russell, obviously imitating Scorsese as well. With American Hustle um, specifically. And then even like with uh, Lorne uh, Scarfria with uh, Hustlers, you know. I which mean, is Scorsese the, the, the adjacent quote, too, yeah. Which was um, the poll quote of that, I think, um, by a variety critic was, you know, Scorsese and stilettos, yeah, right? exactly. Like, so I feel like, you know, Gillespie's done a pretty good job in both of his movies to kind of take that style and still make it his own. But the wall-to-wall music um, is something that always kind of just, I'd rather you be use it sparingly and and thoughtful with your music choices and not have to have fucking song after song after song because to me it becomes a little distracting. That being said, still it it didn't bother me that much, um, and I kind of do agree with you. You like the music though, overall. I do, yeah. Like, like it nothing... didn't take you out. Like oh, I, I I'm like with the Talking Heads. Like I know that with with part of it, if you if you don't like David Byrne or if you don't like the music from oh, the yeah. artist that you're watching a doc a concert doc of yeah. or a performance artist that can be grueling to get through do you think also that maybe is why you didn't like goodfellas the first time around because of it being so saturated in a soundtrack and sort of reminiscing of a certain time period it's possible i mean i was just a dumb teenager when i uh, first saw goodfellas and i think any movie that was over you know two and a half hours i was like oh it's boring i can't get through this shit um, I don't know. I can't really tell you why I didn't like Goodfellas the first time because I barely remember watching it. I remember renting it from Blockbuster on DVD and watching it in my bedroom at my parents' house and, and not caring about it. Um, but anyways, uh, I think when I remember seeing I, Tanya, and I really like I, Tanya, and I, I and I, I like this quite a lot too. And I just really like Emma Stone and I, I feel like she does a really great job both as Estella and as Cruella um and it's the two-face thing again like dual yeah. personality that I, I again i think it's not just sort of 
bringing a conversation up with Joker, but it's looking at superhero movies as well, or or origins of supervillains and sort of the duality of those characters and sort of mm-hmm. placing it within the Disneyverse and doing it in a kind of fun way. And what I also like about this more than I, Tanya, is I didn't feel as icky watching this because right. there's some of the domestic abuse stuff, the way that right. it's stylized. It's portrayed as like a black comedy almost. Like. Yeah, but also it, it romanticizes yeah. it in a weird way where this, there's no romanticizing of you know, skinning puppies because that's not really a part of the plot. Yes, there are nods and, 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 to and that, Easter eggs and, yeah. to all of that stuff and sort of culminating how the character evolves over this period. And and, and, and go back going back to the the the, the soundtrack thing and the yeah. score thing, I think that that is important to note because that is a fair criticism of you know, you you have the score, you have you know the dialogue or or, or the conversations that are have that are taking place, but then you also have Emma Stone's voiceover throughout as yeah. well. And I remember having what you're describing, you know, with with this. I had the first time I saw Casino. Right, Casino was like Goodfellas on steroids. Yeah, <laughs> because it was like wall to wall. You had two voiceovers with both Pesci and De Niro. Then you had score and soundtrack and dialogue yeah and all of that was kind of jam-packed and it almost felt like scorsese was like back on on cocaine cocaine again exactly and and so when the first time i watched it i was so overwhelmed by it all and i just thought oh it's goodfellas 2.0 then i watched it again and you start to dissect certain things i'm not saying you're gonna you're gonna watch this movie ever again because this is a kind of film like one and done and i would probably say yeah watch this after like you know like when it's available to watch on free uh on yeah. disney uh plus because like that that premium vod price unless you're or huge... go to the theater if you can safely yeah yeah if it's safe and you feel comfortable to do so then yes and that's mostly for any american listeners because in, in in canada in specifically europe, yeah. in ontario yeah in europe australia shit out of luck yeah no that I... keeps adding places <laughs> just New, New Zealand. everywhere everywhere except for ontario <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. But yeah, I, 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 I honestly <laughs> do think that this movie exceeded my expectations because I didn't really have any expectations. Because yeah. part of this as well is, is like, you know, the success of movies like Maleficent and things. And like there there's an ickiness in Maleficent as well with like this sort of like rape metaphor in that movie where this again like there's there's a, there are darker elements for sure but it, it doesn't make you feel awful for watching this and it doesn't no. feel as exploitative as like again like even joker does well then i always wondered like watching this one would it be it's obviously not necessary i'll just come out and say that like we didn't oh, need 100 we didn't need this movie is it entertaining and fun yes two when you take a disney villain and disney villains are always you know like they're they're villainous and they do bad things. And yes, skinning puppies is a great board games. Is it? Yeah. Disney villainous, a great board game. Um, but sympathizing, like, uh, even going into this, I'm like, why, why do I need to sympathize with Cruella? Which again, I don't need to sympathize with. Um, and then does the movie do a good job at that? And I think, it does, but it. I just feel like this is a completely different version of the character, and it's not the same one from the animated films or the Glenn Close films or anything. Like, I don't think it's necessarily. I, this is my opinion. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Like, no, I, uh, I agree as well. It's 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 cartoony, but it feels like the whole world is cartoony. Where yeah. Glenn Close, it's been a while since I've seen. Oh God, yeah. One and one hundred one and one hundred and two Dalmatians, but I remember watching those in the theaters and thinking the rest of the world around Glenn Close is somewhat, again, it's still a Disney movie, but it's still somewhat centered 
where you have the off-kilter character kind of chewing up the scenery and Glenn Close is having a great time. She's an executive producer on this. Um, but this completely takes place in a fictional world. Like this isn't, oh, totally, none of this yeah. is real. No, yeah. And and going back to that is it, just like, okay, um, how do you, I, I don't know. It's a completely different version of this character. So to me, to make her super or give her reasons why you could take it two ways. It's it, either a completely different version, and we it alludes to things that you know happen in one hundred and one Dalmatians, and obviously those events will play out differently based on what happens in this movie. Because I feel like you you do need it's not like Joker where you can just have her be horrible. You have Emma Stone in the lead. It's a Disney movie. Like you need to have people like her or at least sympathize with her. And the movie does do that. And we won't go into details or anything. Um, But that then takes away from Cruella being this iconic kind of Disney villain, but then does it shape her into something kind of completely different? Like she still does. I guess she, she balances that line between like right and wrong, I guess, and the things that she does to Emma Thompson, or I mean, again, like we said off the top, Emma Thompson's character is such a horrible person that it's kind of okay, the things that she's doing. And I don't know, each stunt I thought was interesting um, that she pulls off the costuming is fantastic. But I just kept going back to being like, is this the woman that you know, a few years later wants to skin 101 puppies to make a coat. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not the same character. And I'm like, all right, then I'm like, it's a variation. I guess, which is fine. I guess it's just, and I, I will say I will take these, you know, original quote unquote, (laughs) um, uh, Disney adaptations rather than the kind of shot for shot Aladdin's or Lion King's or, I mean, obviously, uh, David Lowry did a good job with Pete's dragon. Cause that felt like it was doing something original or, or different. And, um, the ones where they take the story and just are inspired by it and make something slightly different or new, I'm always more interested in. And I think we're literally skin um, it with a genre, right? Like, like yeah. there's part, like there, there were, there were moments in this movie pertaining to sort of like, heist elements yeah that i like so much more in this compared to wrath of man yes yeah. <laughs> which is a whole heist movie it's yeah. designed around a heist or heists where this <laughs> is only part of that but i actually like the interplay with her and, and jasper and, and jasper. yeah they're great and i think paul walter hauser and joel fry like um do because those those characters are so kind of cartoony henchmen right and yeah, to they're, give they're them bumbling henchmen in the in the heists. animated movies and here they are that but i feel like the the movie weirdly gives them a depth and and like kind of uh uh shows you more of the relationship between you know cruella and and jasper and i think paul walter hauser is really great as horace and he um as kind of that bumbling kind of idiot but not it it, like you said this movie takes place in a in a cartoony universe but it's not slapsticky like there are moments that have those kind of things that you know very young kids can laugh at um but i agree with you that i just liked that you know they they were like um small time criminals and that you know pickpockets and stuff like that and they kept doing bigger yeah they're grifters bigger. yeah and they kept doing bigger and bigger jobs and 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 that's how she kind of gets her start and i really like that and shout out to um uh, is it wink the dog is that the dog yes. name wink the dog is great yeah. yeah and 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 so is buddy and and yeah, like Buddy's it's one of those too. things where um <clears throat> that dynamic between the three of them i think really works and it's also kind of fun to see you know people someone like joel fry 
um, who's having a really great couple of years. I mean, I, I didn't love yesterday, uh, the Danny Boyle film, but I mean, he was kind of a standout in that as the sidekick character as well. And then even in, um, you know, I know, I know you didn't, weren't as big in of the a earth, fan of it, yeah. but in the earth. Yeah. So, and he was just actually recently cast in the searchlight version of persuasion with Sarah Snook. So he's doing really, uh, really well. And, and, and yeah, Nicholas Patel's score, I think is used sparingly, but when it, it's pronounced, it's, it's really it, great. It's very elegant. It feels like everything about this movie almost feels like it's too good for yeah, this kind yeah, of film. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. everybody put too much work into it. It's like, guys, you know, we could have phoned this in and yeah. it's like, like the, the, some of its parts actually equal something that's far more entertaining and weirdly enjoyable if a little more melancholy than what you're to expect from the disney live action version of you know one of these adaptations and yeah i I would say that this for me was probably the most fun i had with one of these and like again you know the first 10 minutes or so with the prologue you kind of get the idea of of what the tone is yeah. where it's playing with almost like like even though it takes place in 1964 there's a music cue to super tramps bloody well right and that that's a song that didn't come out until the mid 70s and but then, but then it's like okay well you know period authentic is not necessarily what they're going for because you look at you can even criticize tarantino you know for oh, putting totally. you know david bowie's uh you know in inglorious song, yeah yeah and inglorious where it, you know it doesn't really fit there or, or you know slaughter or something like that so it's fine. And it almost kind of weirdly looks like that opening sequence, especially when she's at a boarding school or at school, it's almost like Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah. Where you're thinking of like another brick in the wall. But like, it, and it that's the other thing I actually kind of liked about it. And it could have worked against the movie is the faux Britishness of it all. Oh, where, right. Like, you it's have an kind American of, lead. And like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Paul uh, yeah, Walter, Walter Hauser, Hauser as yeah. well. And, and the, the accents aren't great, but they're not... They work for the this, context yes. of this Like you're movie. saying, this universe that they've built, which is like real world, but still obviously not real wor- world, you can kind of forgive. Like you said, the music choices, if it's not completely period accurate or the accents of of most uh, not most just a couple of the yeah the i mean like Americans. even with like kind of the 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 more sinister kind of scene at the beginning of the movie and kind of like what happens there, it's like how that would play out in the real world would be much more graphic oh, and totally. horrifying yeah, yeah. than what is betrayed. Those Dalmatians almost... still kind of scary though. Oh the, yeah. I actually, so as a kid, my parents, well, my dad went through this weird Dalmatian phase. So we had two Dalmatians oh, really? when I was, okay. was a kid, Darby and Bailey. You've always um, had kind of big dogs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, Bailey died young because she had, um, a, a liver disease. Uh, and yeah. then, uh, Darby, um, who lived a little bit longer, he started, cause I was only two, uh, when, when we had them, um, started going through, or started, uh, going through epilepsy and, uh. and, and, and so we had to put him down. Um, but they, I mean, they're show dogs first and foremost, but yeah, it's, it's again, like you kind of get the tone right away with that prologue. I I would say my biggest complaint, and it's something that we maybe can't really talk about because it's spoiler related is, but the plot points in the last act or no. Yes. (laughs) And also the handling of someone like Mark Strong reminded me almost of like the way that 
David Thewlis was used in Wonder Woman in the first Wonder Woman movie, who he's a character that's basically background sort of for the most part. And then yeah. like, you keep wondering like, well, why did they hire, you know, this prominent character actor for this, like nothing role. And then like when like his part that he plays and sort of functioning as a, as a plot development just feels really clunky. And like, that's the stuff that didn't work for me. And again, you know, we can talk about this more off air and I'm sure people will talk about this when they see it. It just felt like that was the kind of stuff that was like, you don't really, you don't really need yeah, this. You didn't need to tie everything with a pretty little bow. And that's right? where it kind and of like, like the Disneyisms, or just yeah. even like the commercial studio sort of notes are almost you can see coming into play there a little bit. Where it's like, you know, maybe maybe you have should, to make uh, this, this character this, up. yeah. Like, yeah. and and I totally agree with you. Where I feel like it it doesn't fall apart in the last act because it's still entertaining. It's just when you really start to think about, you know the plot as a whole and you start to go, man, I don't know about this. And then, yeah. Or it's a little silly, but the whole movie is playful and kind of silly. And like, it's not, I guess, taking itself too seriously, which we bring back the Joker comparison, right. Of like this movie <clears throat> is doing, so it's not, you know, touching on mental health or anything like that. But um, I, I do think when smile came on, I was like, huh, I bet you that's intentional. <laughs> I'm it like, is. Well, it's yeah. not by accident. Yeah. Like even the line of the Joker with come together, the Ike and Tina Turner version. Yeah. It like there, I think there is an emphasis in sort of having this conversation with these movies that are coming out that are sort of reimagining villains specifically in the canon of not just Disney, but in comic books and, and literature and sort of, bringing them back into mainstream media and recycling them in a way that kind of is like, okay, well now you're going to see this side of the story and see this character portrayed in a, in, in a light that you haven't before. And yeah. you're going to be conflicted because you're rooting for him or her or them or whoever it is. And that I think is worth having that conversation. This is again, much lighter and it's objective. I don't think is trying to win Oscars or impress Martin Scorsese, like Todd Phillips was right. Yeah. Um, where I almost appreciate that even more because it's it not up its own ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, Craig Gillespie is not like a, a great filmmaker. He's a journeyman filmmaker. And, and maybe that's also part of it because, you know, like he doesn't, come out to the media and say horrible things or things yeah. that like, you know, like comedy's dead because of wokeness and all this kind of stuff. And he's just a guy that goes from one project to the another. And, you know, probably why he was hired in the first place is because it's like somebody at, at Disney was like, let's make Cruella like I, Tonya. And they've already worked with, Craig Gillespie on the forgettable uh, finest hours <laughs> and million dollar arm. Um, but that, but that's, that shows you. Okay. So, you know, like he'll have a hit out, out of every, you know, yeah. five movies or yeah. so. Like I really love Lars and the real girl, which and his fright know, night is, remake is, people like too. Right? It's great. Yeah. But I also kind of feel like fright night is actually very close to poltergeist where, I, cause that it was a Spielberg uh, dreamworks production that I almost feel Spielberg directed a couple of scenes, maybe <laughs> like there's one sequence in particular that's so well done that I, I like, and maybe, maybe he did. I don't want to take this away from him, uh, Greg Gillespie, but like, it almost feels like that's something that Spielberg kind of interjected or at least suggested yeah. um, throughout. And then, yeah, you look at a lot of like the other movies he's made, you know, they're, they're kind of subpar um, 
at best. And that's fine because again, like he's not a guy that's like trying to be anything other than just continue to work. And I kind of respect that about him. And it's like, you know, every so often you're going to get a movie from him that you'll at least kind of be entertained by in Fright Night, I, Tanya, and especially I'd say Fright Night and Cruella are my favorite of his. Mm-hmm. I, Tanya comes in around third because again, I, there are things I like about it and I like the idea of it, but it's just, I don't think the balance is there. Yeah. Um, but then you look at and Lars and the Real Girl. Lars and the Lars and the Real Girl is that one weird movie where it's like it's that indie film that was kind of almost like his showcase movie because Mr. Woodcock was kind of like the failed film right, that he got yeah. fired off of as well that oh, came out he? the same year. Yeah. Um, so they had another director come in and do most of the reshoots. So he doesn't even consider <laughs> Mr. that movie to be Woodcock. <laughs> he's directed an ass load of commercials, which kind of yeah. makes sense. And he's also um, doing uh, uh, Pam and Tommy, right? Like he's directing. Or is he a part of that? I think he is. Double check that right now. As uh, we're I don't see it on his thing. I know he has physical coming out in a in a few weeks on Apple. Yeah, TV. and then, but he was also going to do a, a Chippendales movie with yeah. Dev Patel. I think. Possibly. I thought he was involved with Pam and Tommy in some way. Um, I'll look it up now. But um, Pam and Tommy Wikipedia, uh, developed by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg directed. Oh yeah, Gillespie's directing. Uh, yeah, directing. So we'll probably get something similar. In the Itanya Cruella de, uh, vein, de vein, uh, with Pam and Tommy, where like it's wall to wall music of that time period. It'll probably be it'll probably be closer to, to Itanya with, with the, the talking to the camera, even and stuff like that. Even uh, yeah, possibly. But um, yeah, I think he did a good job with this. I think I, I'm with you where it is actually it's better than you would expect it to be it's it not, has no right being yeah. this good um for what it is <laughs> that being said not a great movie i think it is a tad too long the music the wall-to-wall music doesn't always work for me um, um no. but um i think the performances are fantastic um if it's going to be nominated for anything costumes a, a pretty good lock on that not talking oscars early but we talked about like this isn't an Oscar but it's also movie. an integral part of yeah. of, of the, the character the and, and the yeah. character and and it the showiness of cruella's genius um is in the costumes and jenny beaven is an incredible costume designer and one of those people that you know you read interviews uh with uh, about her and her talking about sort of her process she is so sort of grounded and down to earth and removed from sort of like what you'd expect a costume designer in hollywood would be yeah um like like even like that was the thing when she won the oscar for mad max fury road she was wearing a leather coat and like yeah regular clothes and like yeah. that's so badass you know um yeah, she's great but yeah, it's 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 one of those movies where, like, again, I was expecting absolutely nothing from this film. And even though, like, I really do like Emma Stone a lot, um, I I think like her star power in this really does help quite a bit. And and it is fun watching. Like, even in the moments where the two Emmas are on the same side, and they're kind of working together, or at least sort know, of Emma's yeah. working under the yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. Like they do like they do have this good camaraderie and it's like it's almost like it's like oh too bad this has to end in a weird way. Like it almost reminded me weirdly of like again going back to comic book movies with like Michael Fassbender and uh Kevin Bacon in X-Men First Class. Right, like, I mean this could be Corella yeah. uh first couture. <laughs> yeah. Um where like 
Fassbender or, or Magneto's ideology in in First Class is very similar to the Kevin Bacon character, mm-hmm. and he agrees with a lot of. But they things. just go about it in different. But they ways. go. They yeah. but yeah, and they go their. They obviously go their separate ways, and like I think that that is kind of interesting as well. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. So, um, yeah, I think a pleasant surprise. I definitely think it's worth checking out. Um, for thirty five dollars on Disney Plus, um. It's I mean, I was the person defending, you know, um, premium VOD prices on, you know, on social and stuff like that. And I'm not here to defend Disney or anything like that. But thirty five dollars don't need the money. Thirty five dollars is a lot of money. I think if you have a family of four, uh, say you're you're, you know, two parents and, and you have two kids, that's ten dollars a person or under ten dollars a person. Like I would say that it's probably worth your time to watch it with your kids. Um, It's again, a weird thing where it's not like really a young kids movie. Like I think a young kid might be bored or, or I don't know. Maybe there's enough fun in there. They won't be scared necessarily, but, but it is, it's not as comic-y or slapsticky as the Glenn Close movies. Yeah. Like that kind of feels like it is for like younger kids will be, amused by the dogs the puppies and stuff, and like, stuff that. like that where this i think you have to be a little bit older but if your kids you know over you know maybe eight nine years old and you guys all want to watch it together three four of you then i think it's probably worth your money um if you're just splitting it with one other person because i think we have to take all of this into account when we're recommending this stuff now because like oh definitely um, i think like 35 dollars that's you 1750 a person like that's if you're splitting it with say nevis and i watch this together which we did i mean we're very privilege we got screeners of this and i didn't have to pay the 35 dollars. but would i want to pay 35 dollars for this i think i probably would have just because you i'm me so if you're like a, a, a movie person who needs to see all the new movies you're gonna probably pay the 35 dollars. if you're a casual movie goer i say you probably could wait the couple months and watch this when it goes to disney plus for free like eric mentioned uh earlier on the show and if you are living in the states or somewhere where you are you know have both your vaccine vaccinations and you're able to go out to the movies yeah it's worth the the price of a ticket i think it is enjoyable and especially now when we've been clamoring for you know new movies and and things like that and um so yeah i i liked it um i don't think it's a, f- a phenomenal movie but it is much better than i thought so i'm gonna go as high as like a three and a half on this i actually liked it yeah uh, and before i uh one more criticism that i will give to this movie that i think uh disney needs to really take into consideration um when when making these movies and how they also advertise them they need to do better with uh lgbt yeah i was gonna gonna bring that up and uh black characters in films not being just simply sidekicks or background fodder and um this movie does not do that it's i mean maybe it's a little bit better with one of the characters than being openly gay but like but it's still not enough to be like you know front and center and Mm -hmm. it's even kind of weird like recently with um everyone's talking about jamie that it got sold it was a disney movie uh searchlight uh and then it was going to premiere on disney plus at some point this year and then it was sold to amazon and you know they they They've even kind of been criticized by dropping, you know, the Lizzie McGuire reboot because of a, a, a gay character. So, um, yeah, that's something that I think that is also very much worth 
taking into consideration and, and something that I think more informed and astute film critics who actually know what they're talking about can dive in even deeper and sort of have those conversations where, you know, us will, will, will definitely address it, but you know, we, we want to make yeah. sure that we are doing it in a way that is, um, you know, insightful but we're not also sort of overstepping our bounds. Uh, no i appreciate you bringing that up because i was going to do that as well because like they are advertising this as the first openly gay character in a live action disney movie and i think that's obviously true but the, um i mean this is probably better than you know certain big blockbuster movies like in star trek where you had you know uh sulu you know for or even avengers second, right? or avenger with a russo uh with russo uh playing a gay character but it's just kind of in one scene as he's telling a story and and it's not it, i guess baby steps but we should be past baby steps at this yeah point. progress isn't isn't perfection yeah. but you know you need to actually take the time and effort to integrate characters from all walks of life into these stories to normalize things and if you're not willing to do it or or give very little back then you should be willing to accept those criticisms to continue because you know again for a a major studio like disney you know it is important for them to have representation um incorporated into their mm -hmm. stories mm -hmm. and you have you know, uh kirby howell baptiste as anita and um uh, like you said, she Anita and Roger in this movie. Um, I don't know if that's a spoiler, is it, that they're in this? Um, no, I don't think so. But like, uh, I I agree with you that you know it is kind of like you said, there are side characters or just kind of like I mean, she's, well, they're not even side characters. Yeah. They're, they're they're like they're again they're they, they serve the plot and and I mean, she, like Anita Darling isn't necessarily a sidekick character, mm -hmm. um, the way that sort of a, a lot of uh, you know black women have been betrayed recently with like even you know uh, uh, what's it called uh, the Anya Taylor Joy show uh the um the queen's gambit queen's gambit and sort yeah. of and sort of turning that into kind of again like the stereotypical you know best black friend character yeah, and like yeah. that kind of stuff is kind of becoming grating and i think that that's something that needs to be addressed a little bit better but in this case like she's not necessarily a sidekick character she's more of a pawn in uh cruella's you know sort of game of chess mm -hmm. um yeah and and i think that like cruella also uses everybody um to her own advantage in, yeah. in this and all the anita and rogers stuff kind of is in that same realm of what we were talking about we don't want to go too much into detail about it but that kind of last act kind of stuff of being like all right it seemed like you're like oh well we have to include this and this and set up for this and this and like um i just it, it seems like all right did you really need that you were doing something different anyway with the character kind of like did you need uh that i don't know yeah and and again like even sort of like the visual reference of of roger i'm just looking up the actor's name right now um because i want to give him credit yeah yeah i'm um, trying to where is he on the cast list it's here? joel something it's joel uh sorry about this we're usually he's not listed on uh yes he is he, he, or no it's john uh it's Artie, um played by john mccrea okay he's not his name's not roger it's um 
John McRae. You're thinking of Roger the character. Oh, yes. Sorry. No, I, I'm thinking of, no, John McRae is playing Artie, who's the openly gay character in the yes. movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger is, is the is the, is the the father figure in yes. the 101 Dalmatian yes. yeah, yeah, movies yeah. in general. Yeah. Yes. So our apologies there, Artie. And, and basically what Artie is, is just almost like this weird, like, physical representation of like okay well we have to have like a david bowie yeah you know ziggy stardust reference in here somewhere so this is what we'll do to this character and that's basically what he is you know and that's yeah. it and it's kind of it kind of sucks but yeah. um yeah it's disney needs to do better but having said that i'm gonna give this a four star matt I, I, B, B plus four star wow. movie i think this is a, a solid film this is out of all of the the disney live action remakes i've seen this is the one that kind of I I like the most. Wow, that I was not expecting that, Eric. I, I mean, I'm I'm all for it. Like I I really liked it as well. I mean, I just feel felt like the length for me uh, weighed on me a little bit. And right, I, and, and I, I don't keep... disagree with that either. I just felt that for what mm-hmm. it is, it didn't feel as heavy. Yeah. Overall, like it, it keeps at a at a nice pace. There's just a lot of repetitiveness to I, it where I can understand that. I'm a thousand. I I, I appreciate it. I, I just to me, I go back to would I watch this again? And I I go, I don't know if I would. So for me, oh no no, like, I would uh, watch a Scorsese movie instead. Yeah, like yeah, I would so. I would go watch you know Goodfellas or something like that. Sure, but in but in terms of thinking like of Emma Stone's career, yeah, like. I actually really like this more than even like Easy A or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I think this is one of her, you know, best performances. I think um, she's fantastic in it. I mean, obviously, and it she's makes great me in weirdly ex- in La La Land and excited for Peter Pan, uh, the David Lowry version of that because we yeah. don't need that either. No, we but La- but that. you trust David Lowry, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I feel like at this point, you know, he's already proven he can make a good, um, you know, live action you know, Disney flick. And now they're, you know, obviously they liked what he did with Pete's dragon and Pete's dragon. Not like, I, I don't think it's even on the same level as a, you know, 101 Dalmatians or Peter Pan or something like that. So maybe, yeah. no, it's more looked at as like the, the weird stoner movie yeah. that Disney made in the sixties. And then this, and then his version became like the classic boy and his dog. But in case, in this case, it's a boy and a dragon voiced yeah. by the crypt keeper and shot in New Zealand. And there's this weird sort of like non-nuclear family dynamic that's going on, which is, which is fascinating. And, and I think like, that is the best of those, but I almost don't even consider that to be necessarily like in the same ilk right. as like Cruella. I still think is fr- cut from the same cloth as the Maleficence and all oh, that totally, kind of stuff. Where yeah. Pete's Dragon almost feels like the outlier, and of that's all what of I. Them. Even though it is technically a live action remake of a Disney yeah, animated yeah. movie, but it just like Pete's Dragon felt like an outlier, and it doesn't feel like it's in the same category as those other ones. The, the live action movie is the same so yeah i'm with you with uh what's it like pan and wendy what the fuck is it called like i think uh, it's pan and wendy yeah um, because we've had so many of like when i say so many i mean like you know wendy last year and then uh, a couple years before that the joe wright pan and you know even thinking of steven spielberg's hook and you know a lot of those movies don't work or, or the pj hogan movie which i think is the best version the the universal movie with uh jason isaac as, yeah. as as hook um and every time that one of those movies comes out they just again with the exception of the pj hogan one don't really kind of hook you in any way it, it's it's so it'll be fascinating to see what lowry does especially 
having come off of Green Knight and how that is received and, and like going from like one fantasy t- story to another. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for it. And um, uh, I think that would be out of the ones coming up just because I, I, I love David Lowry, but I'm very excited for Green Knight. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the Disney animated stuff, I, I definitely say that this is one of the more, um, kind of enjoyable ones. Cause I mean, I even really liked Mulan earlier. I obviously now thinking, stay, taking a step back and just seeing everything around Mulan, um, you know, being a white woman directing it and, and, and just the kind of controversy around the making of Mulan and everything around it that you kind of have to reevaluate that movie. But I do think that it was like this slick, um, action movie but i haven't even seen lady and the tramp yet have you no i haven't which is a i remember that came out when disney plus launched and i just never got around to it because then i'm thinking maleficent lion king aladdin dumbo is bottom of the barrel uh dumbo being bottom of the barrel christopher robin's good beauty and the beast dumbo tried to do something different as well though a little bit with the narrative and i think that that also kind of maybe weirdly worked against it even though we're arguing that we like sort of these films sort of go off the beaten path of, of, you know, well, sometimes it works versions. and sometimes it doesn't. Right. And then, yeah. Um, Cinderella, Kenneth Branagh's one is, actually that's actually very good as well. Good. I think that that's like, talking about Lily James is going to be in, in Pam and Tommy. Yeah. Right. Oh, so. is she? Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Sorry. I thought you meant Peter Pan, <laughs> Pan, Pan and Tommy. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that would be an interesting movie yeah, to watch. Yeah. Peter Pan and Tommy uh, Lee. Yeah. And then so just to kind of wrap everything up, because, yeah, you it, it really did start with kind of 101 Dalmatians. I mean, they said Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book technically counts, um, I guess. Right. Oh, that's the first yeah. ever. Oh, yeah. I forgot this existed. Stephen Summers directed The Jungle Book in 94. Oh, yeah, I remember watching that at a birthday party once. So that's technically the first live action, you know, Disney uh remake i haven't seen that in fucking ages probably since 94 then you have 101 dalmatians 102 dalmatians alice in wonderland maleficent cinderella jungle book alice through the looking glass beauty and the beast christopher robin dumbo aladdin lion king maleficent mistress of evil never saw it because i didn't care about the first one a lady in the tramp mulan cruella and then coming up we have little mermaid the jungle book sequel the lion king sequel Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which is Mark Webb doing that. Barry Jenkins doing Lion King follow up. Rob Marshall doing Little Mermaid. Um, They're supposed to do a Aladdin sequel that's being written. Hunchback of Notre Dame. They're doing Bambi. (laughs) They're doing. (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) Um, Why? Why do we need a Bambi live action movie? Like, I I just I don't know. Unless the rock stars. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Hercules with which the Russo brothers are are producing. Um, Well, that's also going to get really weird, too, because especially with the Russo brothers producing, because isn't Hercules also a character? I mean, Marvel mythology in Marvel and and rumor is that they're going to introduce introducing that because they might as well with Russell Crowe playing Zeus, but also on top of that um, Eternals sort of bringing in the God element, right? Yeah. I I heard a rumor that in um, Thor Love and Thunder, Christian Bale's character is Gore the God Butcher and that Russell Crowe's cameo might just be like 
a joke kind of thing where he just gets killed right away by gore. <laughs> so <laughs> this is for three ten to Yuma. Yeah. And then uh yeah. Um Peter Pan and Wendy is what the uh David Lowry movie's called. Pin- uh, Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio oh, is coming. With Tom Hanks. Uh Juan Carlos uh Fresnadillo's uh, Sword in the Stone is coming. Uh, oh god that's um, and that is considered like the low point in in disney animated, animation yeah. and then carlos lopez estrada is doing robin hood uh the fox one fox version yeah <laughs> so i guess we're getting live action foxes and then sexy foxes and then lilo and stitch was announced as well so still waiting for the great mouse um, detective man we'll get it i'm sure eventually like what other like disney animated movies will, will we get a um uh what's the one with uh the llama <laughs> oh emperor's, uh, emperor's new, new groove. groove yeah i like emperor's new groove i'm gonna throw it out there but my sister loves emperor's new groove. treasure island um yeah so we'll see uh anyways uh 3.5 out of 5 for uh cruella from uh moi and a four out of five uh from eric uh thank you all for listening this was a meaty uh little episode of the untitled it was fun reviews. though it was it was a good episode um please check out our other reviews that are up on this channel right now we have a review for season three of, of aziz anzari's uh, master of none it is called moments in love it's a five episode kind of mini series spin-off sort of thing uh eric and i reviewed all five episodes so go check that out shout out um, to naomi aki yeah naomi aki's great in that um zack snyder's army of the dead review up right now uh and it's dead pixel um, <laughs> shout out to dead pixels yeah. <laughs> it's just a metaphor for zombies you know the dead pixel coming to life in your tv what does um, the blurred screen mean oh, or the blurred God, that's imagery? just bad cinematography <laughs> um taylor sheridan's uh those who wish me dead uh shout out uh, to john bernthal <laughs> <laughs> joe writes the woman in the window shout out to windows Boo! <laughs> uh, uh, we got Tim Timur Bekma Betov's uh, profile. I stumbled through his name. Shout out to stumbling through people's names. Uh, <laughs> Alexandra Aja's uh, oxygen. Shout out to breathing. Um, yeah. Guy Ritchie's <laughs> wrath of man. Shout out to Heist. Holt McElhaney. Uh, or uh, no, what's his name? Um, Boy Sweat oh, Dave. Oh. God, uh, Josh Hart, uh, Cam Gigante. Um, uh, without remorse. Yeah, without remorse. Uh, anyways, there's lots of reviews. Uh, please go check those up. If you like this idiocy, uh, please <laughs> drop us a review on your podcast service of choice. Uh, we have uh, another podcast I would love for you guys to check out called the Untitled Movie Podcast. Our newest draft, the 92nd draft. Um, it should be available right now for you guys to check out. So please go check that out. Eric and I talk about the newest trailers, what's going on in the entertainment industry, what we've been watching, uh, probably whatever other bullshit I've been up to and what Eric's been up to. Um, and, uh, if you like, uh, yeah, I don't know, go check out my other shit around the internet at, uh, untitledmoviepodcast.com. I don't really have anything anywhere else right now, but maybe that'll change. But you're um, always updating Letterboxd yes. or HQ accounts. Yeah. So that's important. So, to know. uh, uh, untitled podcast on Letterboxd is our hub for everything. Uh, the untitled movie podcasts. Um, so go check that out. All the links to our social are up there. Um, all of our reviews are, uh, are up up there all of our uh, schedules um 
posts to go directly to podcast services, you know, other shenanigans over on uh, that. Um, soon we should have something on uh, Apple podcasts, uh, maybe an exclusive show or something like that, but I don't have any news right now because I'm waiting for that to get up, but uh, stay tuned for something over there. Um, and I think that's pretty much it on my end. And I'm Eric Martian. You can find more of my uh, video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. This one goes out to my main man, Richard Cheese. Cruella Deville. <laughs> Cruella Deville. Richard Cheese making If a she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will to take her. Oh, I fucked up. But anyway.